what's happening guys grace and peace to you I hope all is well with you welcome back to uh, live the life podcast uh, happy Monday coming at you from Utah I got about yeah about 11 o'clock this morning here in Utah just sitting here uh, hanging out with the Lord about what to share um, again like always he, you know he starts to tug on my heartstrings on on where to go with with the next message and uh, yesterday it, it all kind of culminated um, with Pastor Steve he gave a great message yesterday so I'm going to call this, this will be the last episode in uh, this season 11. This will be episode 7. So we'll, we'll end with completion, right? The number of completion. Um, this has been a great series. Um, you know, we started out with living a resurrected life in Christ and what that looks like. We talked about secrets of the secret place and the intimacy with God. And we had fearfully fearless right how to live a fear-filled yet fearless life you know fear-filled in regard to awe and reverence of who God is and how our relationship that relationship moves in our life which allows us to live a fearless life in regards to this world we talked about selfless and then the last couple weeks we, we had uh, you know what moves you what drives us and why and that's all culminating today in today's message, uh, which I'm going to call Back to the Garden. Back to the Garden. And this, uh, I taught on this years ago, you know, again, just one of the things I say about the Bible is that you could sum it up in Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 22. Uh, we could mix in some Genesis 3, which kind of shows what happened once sin entered into the world. Uh, with Cain and Abel, right? And uh, but everything between Genesis one and two in Revelation twenty-two is God's redemptive plan for humanity. You know, man cries out for their sin. They know they're sinful. God comes in because He's a loving God, uh, meets His people. Uh, that they start to follow the Lord again and worship Him. Uh, then quickly thereafter, they start to worship idols. And the church falls, and there's a remnant. And then they, they get on their face again, and God comes in in his goodness and lifts them back up. They start to worship him again. Then they start to worship idols, and then they fall, and then there's a remnant of the church, right? So you can look at the entire Old Testament, um, and it follows along that pattern, right? Until Jesus ultimately came uh, to redeem humanity, right? To give us an opportunity, a way out, to be saved, salvation, died for our sins, the cross, right? Right in the middle of everything is the cross. And uh, I believe we're still living the same way the Israelites were living in the Old Testament. You know, we we worship idols. We, You know, God continues to draw us to him. 
uh, we, we repent, we, we ask him to please come and help us, and he does, and, uh, and then we, we worship him for a while, and then we, we start worshiping those idols in our life once again, and, and we fall, and there's a remnant. So I believe we're still in that, sadly, we're still in that pattern uh, until Revelation 22 when the Lord returns, and this story's over, man. And, yeah, so this back to the garden kind of takes us back um, to that reality of why we were created, right? So I'm gonna, I want to touch on what that looked like, right? So we were created out of a community. In Genesis, the world was created. We were created in, in the image of God, right? Out of community, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we were created to have relationship with Him. Uh, we were created, I'll need to dig into this some more, but, you know, lightly speaking, perfect um, in the garden, in the sense that, you know, they saw no nakedness. I believe that in the garden, prior to sin entering into this world, uh, you know, and God allowing it to enter into this world through Satan, you know, we, we viewed each other the way God viewed us, right? We didn't see, Adam and Eve didn't see their nakedness, uh, Again, there was just, it's the way the world was created to be. They were asked to tend to the garden, right? To multiply, be fruitful, and fill the earth. They would walk with God in the cool of the day. You know, and I believe that's that's as close as, as humankind has come to perfection. Um, and then God allowed Satan to come in and, and tempt man because... God is a jealous God, and He wants us to choose Him and to choose relationship with Him. If if He made us follow Him, then we'd be robots. What what good would that be, right? So God gave us a choice. We chose to sin. Uh, we chose to to follow Satan, and His plan, you know, is obviously to kill, steal, and destroy, right? And that's that's the pattern that we fell into um, in the garden, right? Um, until Jesus came, right? In John 10, 10, it tells us again that the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life, uh, abundant life. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, right? That's that's just who Jesus is. So, so we have this picture of the garden, right? And now I want to give you, you know, kind of culminating this living a resurrected life and, you know, starting out, there's, there's some key elements that we need to understand, right? So hopefully we've learned this this season that, um, you know, we have to understand who God is and who we are in Christ first. So God is a God of love and mercy. That's who he is, okay? Uh, God created us all in his image. I would say that God views this whole world, all of us, is as his children. That's how he views us right but there's a choice in that for us when we choose to believe and receive God when we choose to, to believe and receive Jesus and what he did on the cross for us right and the Holy Spirit the whole package we acknowledge our sin and our need for Christ uh, we, we then become adopted into the family and we become a true child of God so there's a difference there between how he views us. I believe he views all of his children. We all came from him. We were made in his image. Therefore, God's view of us is as his children. 
And then it's through our choice whether we actually become a child of God or not. So I hope that's clear to you. So if you do choose to believe and receive and acknowledge our need for Christ and what he did on the cross and his blood, which is what this whole life's about, it's what the whole Bible has been about, it's been about God's love, it's all about Jesus. The Old Testament all points to Jesus. Jesus comes out of God's love for us. Jesus takes on the, the punishment uh, and the penalty of sin so that we can be free and have a way to enter into salvation forever, right? So when we make that choice, we become a child of God. So that's who you are. You're a son and daughter of the Most High King, all right? So God is a God of love and mercy. You are a son and daughter of the Most High King. When you look in the mirror, that's what you see when you choose to follow him. So it's seeing him properly and seeing yourself properly. And then I, I call it this beautiful dance of repentance and forgiveness. Because when we choose to follow Christ and we, we acknowledge our need for him, you know, what starts to happen is we grow in this relationship uh, with Christ, which we talked about through this entire season, through intimacy with him, which is the most important part of your relationship with God is intimacy with God. Spending time with God, getting to know God, getting to know who he is, getting to know his heart, his character, what moves him so that that moves us, right? And then there's this thing called conviction that starts to happen in our life when we're walking with the Lord, that we know when we're sinning, we know when we're falling short. And then here comes this beautiful dance of repentance and forgiveness. So repentance is a beautiful word. I believe it's a gift from God that, you know, through conviction... You know, repentance means to change direction or change your mind, you know, uh, change your thought patterns, things of that nature, which is easier said than done. Um, you know, again, I believe it means to change direction. So the distance that we create between us and God when we choose to walk away from him and be disobedient and try to go and live our own selfish life, which happens to us probably daily, if not weekly or whatever, we, we walk away from God. But the beautiful thing about God is, when you do change direction, you slam right into his chest, you know. Even though we create distance, he's following right behind us. And when we, when we do choose to turn around, we run right into his loving arms, right? The story of the prodigal son, which I like to call the story of the loving father, which is a great picture of God when we do turn back to him, you know. So there's this beautiful dance of repentance and forgiveness. So when we turn around and we run into his loving arms... We once again receive his forgiveness. We receive, we acknowledge our sin, our shortcomings. We, we acknowledge what he did for us on the cross, the price that he paid, right? And then we once again ask forgiveness. You know, I ask forgiveness on a daily basis. You know, it's not a one-time event. You know what I mean? One, it's not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. That's repentance, you know? It, it happens daily and, and many times a day if, if need be, but... We ask forgiveness and we receive it because he gave it to us on the cross, right? And this washes away guilt and shame and regret and those things that the devil uses to keep us away from God. You know, God's loving grace and mercy draws us back to him once again. So then we could also ask forgiveness if we've hurt someone or whatever that sin was or whatever the conviction was. Uh, we can forgive them if they don't forgive us, right? We can forgive those that have hurt us. And the biggest one is to, you know, forgive ourselves for our shortcomings. Because this walk with Christ, at least for me, man, you know, we should be doing much, much, much better, you know. But Pastor Steve touched on this. After 30 years of walking with the Lord, there's two things that he underestimated greatly. 
and and I agree with it is 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 the power of our flesh still right even though we're baptized even though the old man's supposed to be dead even though we we believe fully in the Lord our flesh still contends the devil still contends constantly in our life and ramps it up the further we walk along with the Lord but right alongside with that is is underestimating the power of God's grace and mercy in our lives right and that God's grace, you know, the sin, sin grows, his grace grows greater, you know. And so there's this reality to those, those two statements just remind me of the reality of how much I need Jesus Christ. And it should remind you of how much you need Jesus Christ in your life, right? So when you forgive yourself, again, you defeat, this is what I call living a new 24. Each and every day we get 24 new hours, right? And I always ask you, what will you do with your new 24? And the verse that goes with it is Ezekiel 36, 25 through 28. The Lord says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and I'll make you clean. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put a new heart in you. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my ways. That's the power of a new 24, right? So there's this understanding as a child of God, if you guys could picture uh, like a fortress, okay? Like a old school castle type forest, man, or for, a fortress. Just, you know what I mean? Ten foot thick walls, hundred foot tall, no gates, nothing can get in, nothing will ever get in, nothing at all gets in. That's who we are in Christ when we become a child of God. All right? Now within these walls, in this new identity that we have in Christ, this is spirit, is combined with our spirit we become a new creation we now have jesus living inside of us so this fortress is who we are and that doesn't change and there's no oh whatever you feed right good wolf bad wolf if you if you do good things you stay good if you do bad things then you become bad no your identity is in christ that's who you are now with inside those walls there's this little weed in the corner called our flesh and I think Paul described it as a thorn in his flesh and again I'll give Pastor Steve credit on this it's a it's a weed inside of us it's in the corner of this new identity and it never goes away and it can't because we will not be perfected until we're in heaven God is continually shaping us and transforming us into his image in this life so that we will be uh, perfected in him in, the, in our next life in eternity and salvation forever now, the thing about weeds, as you well know, if you don't do anything with them, if you don't tend to them, they grow. So even though you have this new identity, this weed can become 50 feet tall. This weed can overtake your whole identity, man, of, of who you are. It doesn't change who you are, but it's, it's overtaking your life, right? So it's up to us to continually tend to the garden, right? So if you just kind of chop it off at the surface... The roots stay, right? And they actually grow deeper and stronger, and this weed comes back stronger. The sin comes back stronger. The power of the flesh comes back stronger. So it's important when we tend that we go deep to the root of our problems. This is what I call trauma. And we talked about this through this series, right? Understanding that we're a, we're a product of how we were raised. We're a product of trauma in our lives. Trauma causes us to make choices. Choices to sin choices to, to become addicted to things, choices, life choices, lifestyle choices, 
uh, responses. All of this is caused by trauma. So this picture of going to the root is getting to the root of the trauma, inviting Jesus who came to heal the brokenhearted, right? In Isaiah 61, Luke 4:19, he recites Isaiah 61 and why he came to this earth, right? To set the captives free, recovery of sight for the blind, release of the prisoners, uh, you know what I mean? And, and to heal the brokenhearted. And that what that means is to heal our soul, to heal our trauma. And he's the only one who can do it. You know, therapists help, medications help. They help mask and soothe some of these issues in our life, but the reality is only Jesus, when we invite him into that area, he can, he can take what's been shattered and make it better than it was before and use our trauma for his glory, right, in, in this life. So we must tend to the garden. So there's this reality of your identity that never changes in Christ when you choose to believe and receive in him and make him the Lord of your life, your Lord and Savior, but there's a reality that the devil keeps coming. That's this little weed, this little thorn that's inside those walls that we must continually tend to. And the way to tend to it, we've talked about it the past seven weeks. Intimacy with God, knowing who you are, knowing who he is, pressing into his word, pressing into community. Right? All of these things applying, listening, hearing, applying, reading, you know, meditating, and then out applying. And, and applying what we, we learn is is the most effective way to become more like Christ because you retain more of what you read. You retain more of the good things that you hear when you apply them in your life and you get out and you're moved with compassion in this world around us. So, you know, let's let's get back to the garden, man, right? So we started out with, you know, secrets of the secret places, intimacy. This is a bookend, kind of like the Psalms are written. There's a, you know, a Psalm sandwich, man. There's this praise and worship, and there's a lot of hard stuff in between. And then there's praise and worship at the end. And that's what we're doing here by getting back to the garden, back to the intimacy with God, walking with Him in the cool of the day. Um, that's the reality of living this resurrected life. So... Just a quick recap, again, knowing who God is, God is a God of love and mercy. When you choose to believe and receive in Him, you are a child of God, you are a son and daughter of the Most High King, that's who you are, that's your identity, and it can never be taken from you. And then this beautiful dance of repentance and forgiveness, living out the power of a new 24. Knowing that the reality of God's grace and mercy uh, doesn't give us a license to sin, it doesn't give us a license to continually make bad choices because you see God is a God of love and mercy but he's also a good judge and he laid that out in Deuteronomy 28 and 29 the blessings for obedience curses for disobedience we make the choice and with choices come consequences so again I believe the definition of the wrath of God is the consequences of our own choices and then God being a good father he disciplines his children just like our parents should have right when we do things we shouldn't there's discipline so God disciplines his children um, as well right so if you make choices outside of the will of God which I don't understand why we would continue to do that but when we do discipline is coming so if you've been on a good ride and there's nothing really bad happening yet you're living a horrific sinful life with full of blatant sin that should have been gone when you were baptized and you believed and received in him 
just know this, discipline is coming. It's coming. So that's another reality of this. So there's some practical steps that, that Pastor laid out. And, th and this is scriptural. You know, a lot of this stuff I'm saying today, it, it's mixed with scripture. The reality of, of who we are, right, is, is spoken in Genesis. Um, you know, the reality of the cross, we know that is the New Testament, everything pointing to that moment. So there's a lot of scripture, and then a lot of this is opinion based on what God has done in my life, right? So I want to end with some scripture, um, and this is Jesus himself talking, and these are three steps that Pastor laid out um, that I think are amazing, and they actually go right in line with, with this back to the garden. So, and this is in uh, Mark uh, chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 34. Uh, then, then he called the crowd to him and along with his disciples and said, and this is Jesus talking, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants his life, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. And when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So there's three key points in this. And when we talk about going back to the garden, right? The first, Jesus himself says that we must deny ourselves. So denying ourselves is acknowledging our need for Christ, the acknowledgement of our sin, uh, putting ourselves behind, laying ourselves at the feet of Jesus, allowing him to come in. So the first word is, is to, not, to deny ourselves. The second is to take up our cross. Um, so we must honor the cross. There's, there's nothing in this life without the cross. This life is all about the cross and the blood of Jesus. You can't add from it or take away from it. There's no scripture that taught you. It's all about the cross. So anybody who's telling you differently, um, Jesus Christ died on the cross and, and all the blood came out of his body. He was massacred for us, right? And he rose from the grave, was resurrected, and we now have eternal life in him because our penalty has been paid for. And now we have uh, an opportunity as we choose to believe and receive in him to go to heaven. It's all about the cross. So Jesus took on suffering on the cross. He tells us to take up our cross, which means we're going to suffer in this life. We all have our own cross to bear. We all have our own life. Jesus created us for a purpose, not for what we think we're doing in this life, but he has a purpose for our life, to do his will in our life. And in it is suffering. You know, so there's suffering, there's grace, there's mercy, there's joy, there's celebration, there's everything in the Christian life, but the difference is we do it with him, not without him. And he comes alongside of us, and he gives us grace, and he gives us comfort, and he gives us wisdom in the trials and tribulations of this life. So we have to be willing to deny ourselves one, pick up our cross daily, two, right? And pick it up proudly and step into the hard things, knowing that God is with us and that, you know, Romans 8, 28, that God's always working for the good of those who love him. I believe it's his good, uh, you know, as he uses our, our trials and tribulations and the things that he brings us through to help set other people free. That's a whole nother aspect of our walk with Christ. And then number three, he says to follow me. And to follow him, 
means to know him. It means to hear his voice. It means to listen to his voice. It means to apply what he says to our life even when we don't want to, even when it's scary. And again, this goes back to the secret place, man. This this goes perfectly in line with going back to the garden, which means to tend to the garden, to walk with the Lord in the cool of the day, to multiply and fill the earth, man and woman, male and, and female, multiply, procreate the way we were designed to create, right, and be fruitful. And we're fruitful through following him, through knowing him, through hearing him, through doing what he asked, through you know swift obedience, applying these things in our life, we start to bear fruit in our life that we look different than the world around us, that we look different than the people around us, that we handle things differently, we, we speak differently, right? We respond differently. We're moved, right, with love and compassion in everything that we do in this life. So let's get back to the garden, folks, the way God created us and intended us to be, the way it's going to become when he comes back and heaven comes back to earth. There will be no Satan. There will be no temptation. There will be no sin. We'll be created in the image that we were meant to be. We will be perfected in Christ. And honestly, I, I don't know. I've seen heaven. I've seen glimpses of heaven. I've seen that we look like ourselves in our prime. It's all about family, and it's all about praising the king. So there's 24-7 praise and worship. We wonder what heaven can look like and how it could be sinless. Well, that's the way God created the world. And we obviously have made our choice to follow him. So now we become who he originally created us to be. And we live in this beautiful creation forever with God, with each other, all our other brothers and sisters who have chosen to follow. And there is no sin. And there is no sadness. And there is no nothing that has ruined this world. Because Satan is defeated along with all the crap that came with him into this world. Amen. So let's get back to the garden. Let's deny ourselves, let's take up our cross, and let's follow Jesus until his return. That we either hear the beautiful words of, well done, good and faithful servant, or get away from me, I, I never knew you. <laughs> uh, I pray that we're striving uh, to hear that first statement of, well, God, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, the other comes with, our decision to, to live what we talked about today and not only live it not live it for acts but live it from the heart because God views the heart he doesn't care about the outside he cares about the inside and God knows our heart he knows our motives right and our behind the scenes reel needs to look like our highlight reel he cares what happens behind the scenes between just us and him our internal thoughts, our internal motives. We got to give all that up to Christ as well. That we may be washed clean and get back to the garden. Amen. God bless you guys.